All right, we're going to start tonight by me asking this question that's not as controversial, um, but I do actually want to hear kind of your thoughts on this. What is the hardest thing that you have ever done? And and I love a couple examples, but like think through whatever it is. What is the hardest thing that you have ever done? Like you you did it, boom, we finished it. (laughs) Amen. Praise God. Shame on the budgeting. We, We have a budget. We got the budget. That's an Excel spreadsheet. Yes, sir. Yeah, if that's, brother, if that's the hardest thing, like getting, if getting on a roller coaster is conquering your fears, bro, I want to celebrate that. What else? What's the hardest thing you've ever done? Yeah, Mason, Dawson, what? Work. Like you got a job? Let's go. You did it. Hope you tithed. I'm kidding. Don't, that's, I, I do hope you tithe, but that's, that's between you and God. Anyway, what else? What else we got? Hardest thing you've ever done? Master's thesis. How long was that? 110 pages. So whenever you guys complain about a three-page paper, this man's a scholar. Your small group's blessed. Just write that down. Um, I, I think that the, the hardest thing that I've ever done, and whenever we talk about, like, honestly, like, there's, no, there's not a good way to say this, not have this come across as a flex. So don't take this in a weird way, I, I hope. Good. Um, so right out of high school, I got into distance running, okay? That's where you, you just get a good pair of shoes, and you go run for hours. I'm not talking about, like, you go run for miles. I'm talking about you run for hours, okay? And the goal of it, that was how I kind of uh, tried to rekindle my relationship with my mom. If you were here a couple weeks ago, then that's, that, that's, that's how. If you weren't here, yeah, there you go. Um, but I got into distance running for the goal of uh, running a marathon. And I actually ended up running one. I, I ran one, but then I ran two more. And all within like uh, like 115 days or so of each other. Um, here's actually me finishing my third one. It's just a little picture. Hopefully it's a, oh, yeah. <laughs> Heck, yeah. That's, that's me. I'm wearing a hat. And that's coconut water. I'll tell you what. You want some natural electrolytes? Drink coconut water. That's, I'm not sponsored by Vita Coco, but you should do it. Um, but, yeah, I, that was the end of my third marathon. We, what we did was we went out to um, Maui, like the island in Hawaii, and you literally start on, like, the beach, and you just run the outside of the island, literally, for 26 miles. And that's it. Like, you, you go up a mountain, you go down the mountain, and you're on one highway the entire time. And the cool thing about distance running is – uh, actually, it's miserable. I don't, there's not a good, good way to spin that, actually. Um, but you, what you do is when you're running for so long, it is awful, right? I don't really know why people do it. I did it so I could actually get back to a better relationship with my mom. That was, she did the distance running, so that's literally it. So for the people who do it for fun, I don't get it. This guys, I'm so distracted. I'm so sorry. But anyway, the whole point of it, though, is if you're running for four or five, sometimes people do it for six hours, you're running for that long. And you get hungry, and so there's all of these spots during the race where spectators are allowed to kind of stop, and they can give you, like, water, they can give you snacks if you're hungry, there's all this cool stuff, but that's really the coolest time for your family to kind of pull over the side of the road and just cheer you on, just yell at you, be like, hey, only 13 more miles to go, you know, like, like, imagine, like, hearing that, like, it's awful. So, but what I'm saying is, though, is all of the training that we did beforehand, all of the miles, the hours dedicated a week to, to running and, and even doing this specific race, I promise you, I would not have done it or could even do it if I wasn't actually running with someone, like I wasn't training actively with another person, 
and if my friends and family, like, couldn't cheer me on at the spectator spots. Like, imagine you're running for hours and hours and hours by yourself, where all you have is just your thoughts and maybe some music if your headphones last that long. Like, guys, like, it's miserable. It was the hardest thing I ever did, but I promise you, like, I could not have done it if there weren't other people there. There wasn't someone running with me and someone else cheering me on. And we start there because while that was the hardest thing I've ever done, if we were to be really honest and really think about what's the hardest thing that really any of us could do, um, I would honestly be under the opinion that Christianity is the hardest thing that anyone could ever do. Okay? Like to, to actually believe that the creator of everything is God, and, and God even sent his own son to die for us, and how we accept that forgiveness of our sins is, is through surrendering our life, and what surrender looks like is um, spending the rest of our life cutting and getting rid of like our, the sin in our life, or getting rid of all that stuff, and in exchange, we fight for trying to be more like Jesus, and we do that every single day. Like, if we were to be really honest, that's really hard to have this active mindset forever and ever of like surrendering like all of my life to God every single morning. That's really hard. And guys, like we can't do that by ourselves. We really can't. Like we need people to run this race with us. That's and later in the Bible it says that uh, this whole Christianity thing is is called a race. Um, but we can't do it by our own. We need other people to run the race with us. We need other people um, to really just kind of like help cheer us on as well. And so we're in this new series that we've called Relationship Goals, okay? Um, And this series is kind of the whole point of it is to actually talk about uh, a couple different relationships. And tonight we're going to start first by talking about friendships, okay? Like what does a biblical friendship look like? What do we do? How do we do it? How do we, uh, how do we do it better? And so us starting tonight is there is an assumption that all of us in here want friends, okay? Like, I, I, I'm assuming that there's no one in here that's thinking to themselves, man, I don't want any friends. You look at any kind of psychology, sociology, you name it, but, like, look, just Google it. Like, there's so many sources when it comes to the fact that people need people. We were not designed to do life by ourselves. Like, we need friends. And there's even, like, uh, there was this place that I saw this one thing where it's talking about, like, specifically, like, students and close friends. And it was, it was called, like, Medical News Today. And it's saying that having at least one close friend while you are a student, while you are a teenager, is, will lead to lower levels of depression, lower levels of anxiety. And there's all these other benefits that kind of come with that. And so... From a very practical sense, if we're going to talk about friendships, like, I I get having a friend does not cure anxiety and depression. Like, I get get that. So this isn't a a, a mental health series. This is a friendship series. But I am starting tonight by assuming that we are all under the same page that we need friends. Like, we need close friends. Uh, Like, thinking of depression and anxiety. Like, guys, let's just address the elephant in the room. That's a real thing, right? As much as other people want to make jokes of it, as much as other people either want to hide, like either I don't have it or we're overly open about it or anything in between, like especially being a student, like it is entirely possible and extremely common 
to feel anxious and alone and depressed and things like that. Like, so I, I looked up some statistics on this. 70% of, of students will experience depression um, or uh, suicidal ideation, like, or they'll, they'll experience some kind of depression before they graduate. 70%. Before you graduate, before you leave, like whatever it is, 70% of students will experience depression before adulthood. 19% of, of, of teens, of students, each year, 19% of students each year will contemplate or attempt suicide this year. Every single year, 19%. Guys, in the last 50 years, suicide in students has tripled. And that's just in the last 50 years. And you can look at the statistics, and, and it's talking about, like, per capita, like, tripled in 50 years. Guys, like, this is a real thing. And so from a very practical sense, like, we need people. And we need close people. We need people who know us. And we need, we need to know people. We need friends. And so tonight, though, what we're going to do is, is we're going to talk about friendships. And, like, just how do we do it right? What does the Bible have to say about friendships? And so we're going to talk about just what a, a good friend, we're going to talk about a Christian friend, and then we're going to talk about the ultimate friend, okay? So tonight, this is uh, the big idea, that Christians need Christian friends, okay? Christians need Christian friends. And so uh, point number one, if you are taking notes, is this, uh, a good friend. Let's just look at biblically, what is a good friend? Um, before we kind of hop into scripture, I'd love to ask you, I, I asked this on like Instagram earlier today, but I'd love to hear maybe a couple of things from y'all. Uh, what is the difference between a friend and a good friend? Just a couple of things. What's the difference between a friend and a good friend? What we got? Yeah. Okay. How you know them or how you got to know them. How long you've known them. Okay. I can see that. What else? Kevin? Yeah. Yeah, like it's not situational. Like a good friend kind of, it's not bound by the sport that you play, but it's kind of, it goes beyond whatever that mutual activity is. Absolutely. What else? Yeah, Taylor. Yeah, absolutely. That's really good. And, and I was looking at some of the responses and stuff that, that we got on it. And there was kind of three, like, really easy things that we kind of, like, take away. That's What's crazy is that they're literally in Scripture, too, of, like, what is a good friend. And, and like, the first one is that, um, like, a good friend, uh, they know you. Oh, sick. There we go. <laughs> A good friend knows their friends. Like, there's this level of, like, it's not just knowing, like, surface level stuff. Like, you know deeply, like, some of the things they're going through. A good friend treats others better than themselves. And a good friend challenges other people. So, so let's look at the first one. So Ecclesiastes chapter 4, starting in verse 9. This is what it says. Man, bless you. This is awesome. Ecclesiastes 4, uh, verse 9. It says, two are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone 
is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So there's a couple of things I kind of want to just point out from this passage alone. Uh, the f- first thing is, is like if you want to succeed in whatever it is, if you want to succeed, like you need friends, really. Like, like you need friends to brainstorm. If you want to succeed in it, whatever area it is, you need other people. And so like on a very practical sense, like you should know the dreams and the goals, like the, the good things about your friends, not just the bad things. Like you should know what they aspire to be and you should try to help them do that as much as like they should want to know your dreams and your goals so then you guys can go do that thing together. Like if you want to succeed, you need to have friends. And so a good friend wants their friends to succeed. But then also notice uh, what it talks about uh, like falling down or something. Culturally, like yes, historically, when it's talking about the context is like if you're in the woods by yourself and you fall down, you're screwed, right? Like, like this is thinking, like, 2,000 years ago, they didn't have phones, they didn't have anything like that. And, like, side note, yes, if you're going to go in the woods hiking, you should bring somebody, okay? You might not have cell signal. It's, it's safer. There's weird people out there. So that's the practical sense. But there's something more beyond that where it's like, okay, if you're all by yourself and you're struggling, no one can help you up, Right? And so there is this piece that's almost implied here where it's like, hey, like, do you know where your friends are struggling? Like, do you know where, where they are, where they have fallen down, where they're hurting, what, what they are anxious over, what they're fighting, like, like things like that? Do you know where your friends are struggling? But then on the opposite end, do your friends know where you are struggling? Think about this. Your friend can't help you if you don't tell them where they can help you. Like you're almost robbing your friends of being a good friend because they can't help you at all. It's surface level. If they don't tell them where you are struggling, they can't help you at all. And they really, like honestly, they can't even comfort you well. Because if you don't, if they are all blind to all of your struggles and stuff. So yes, like we should know, like good friends should know like wh- like the dreams and the goals of our friends. But a good friend would also know the struggles um, and, and the temptations and just kind of the things and the hurts of their friends as well. Okay, so that's the first thing. But the second thing is that a good friend treats others better than themselves. Uh, this is in Philippians chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 3. This is what it says. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your own interest, but take interest in others too. You must have the same attitude as Christ Jesus had. So um, do you view other people's problems or other people's interests as more important than your own? Uh, Like, do you ever, like, are you either getting ready to go to bed or it's just inconvenient. You're watching a YouTube video, you're in the middle of a, of a game or a match or something and your friend calls you or texts you or something like that. Do you just kind of blow them off and say, oh, I'll just get it later? Or do you stop there and be like, hey, I'm going to view what you want as more important than what I want. Hey, I'm going to view your problems and your issues as more important than mine. We were literally talking, I was talking to Kevin about this uh, earlier and he said like, like, what if I'm watching a YouTube video and then a friend says, help, I've fallen and I can't get up. 
And I'm like, I have like three minutes left in the YouTube video. I'm like, well, it's not going to hurt that bad if I finish the three minutes. I mean, it's, it's not that big of a deal. Like, like, that's my mindset, guys. Like, I'm not saying I'm perfect at this, but I'm saying, like, you know exactly what that's like. You know, like, I'll text him back. Like, I, I, if you even text him back at all. Oh, man, like, if my friend asks for help to build something or to help move or to do whatever it is. Like, we just, man, I just, I just don't want to. I just want to do my thing. A good friend views other people's interests and problems as more important than their own. Then the third thing um, is that a good friend challenges others. If you're looking for a verse to memorize, this is an awesome one. It's Proverbs 27, 17. And it says this, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And this is what I'm talking about when I'm saying, like, challenging your friends. I'm not talking about, like, toxic, like, competition. Like, while there's nothing wrong with competition and friends. So, but I'm not saying challenging your friends as in, like, always trying to compete. I'm talking about challenging as in you are calling them to a higher standard. You're, you're saying, hey, like, you're tripping, you're slipping, whatever it is. You need to get back on the path of whatever that is. Like, a good friend holds their friends to standards. They're not always a, a yes man or a yes woman or whatever it is, or they're not always agreeing. They're being like, hey, no, like, what are you doing? Like, if we're on the same, like, if we're trying to be better, let's go. Stop doing that. Let, let's do this. And that is why the, the picture is iron sharpening iron. That's not fun. That's not convenient. It's not comfortable. It's not, com- it's, it's not just pleasant. It's this idea of you're, you're grinding stuff away, you're chipping stuff away for the sake of being sharper, being better. And a good friend does that. A good friend challenges their friends. And so here's, here's my first question. I have a couple questions here. My first question is this. Do you want good friends? Based off of the definition of what the Bible is kind of saying, do you want good friends? The second question is, are you a good friend? If not, like, do you even want to be? Because, like, why, uh, we'll talk about this later in small groups, but why would you expect other people to be good friends to you if you're not going to be a good friend first? So, if you want to be a good friend, like, you need to know your friend's dreams, your friend's goals, like, their desires, their, their hurts, their pains, the things that they are going through. But then you also need to treat your friend as better or as more important than yourself. And a good friend challenges friends. But, guys, notice this. Like, this isn't strictly a Christian thing. Right? I'm not saying Christian friends do this. I'm saying just good friends. And so if you're in here and you're not a Christian, you should still follow the advice. It's, it's, a, it's really good advice, just in general. So, if you are a Christian, you should also still do this, but there is something extra that Christians do that, that's not just what good friends do. A good Christian uh, friends should want to run with you and run the race, cheer you on, things like that. And so, point number two, let's talk about a Christian friend. Like, what is the difference between just being a good friend but being, like, a good Christian friend? So, um, if you are a Christian... You need Christian friends, right? That's, this was the big idea. But I'm going to say something um, that I don't think is as controversial as, like, when you should celebrate Christmas. So I'm not going to worry about that. But it, it could be, depending on how you take it. You will not 
let's do this right now. Make sure everyone's on the same page, friends. Here we go. You will not finish the race, the, the race of Christianity. You are not die faithful by yourself. You will not finish your race, the race, uh, the race of Christianity, by yourself. You just won't. You can't. It's impossible. Where's that in Scripture? Glad you asked. Let's go to Hebrews. There's two awesome places in Hebrews. The first one's Hebrews chapter 3. Check this out. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. <laughs> Guys, like we are literally, we are so sinful. Like even the, the, the people who are Christians in the room, like we are so sinful. And until we are with the Lord, like he comes back or we die, there will always be this kind of leftover flesh part. Like our sin nature is always still going to be with us. And guys, like our sin nature is so strong that every single day you will be tempted. Hey, just God's not worth it. Leave. Why? Why should you surrender that? Do what you want to do. Every day. Every hour, every second, like, we always are having this in front of our face where our sin is just being like, why even bother? Like, it's not even worth it. And that is the issue, is that our sin is so sticky, it's so destructive, it's uh, corrosive even. Guys, like, where we need to be reminded every single day. Like, this isn't just a thing. Like, can you go back to the page before where it says, you must warn each other every single day. Guys, your family time, like after this during small groups, isn't enough. You're going to tell me you got 30 minutes on a Wednesday night and that's all you need for the warning and the encouragement from other believers? Come on. You're getting preached way more out of here than in here. And every single day we're always being told that, hey, just do what you want to do. Instead of, hey, follow God. We need to be warned every day if we are going to be faithful to the end. But on the other side, um, on the other side, let's look at uh, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10, uh, starting in verse 23, it says this. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. So time out. This is being like, hey, run the race. Keep going. Don't stop. Keep going. But notice how. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And then it finishes, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. That's it, guys. Like, honestly, like, it's, it's the exact same picture on the opposite end. We need people every day, whether you, whether you think you need it or not. We need people every single day to warn us and to encourage us to keep going. Friends, like, this is why, like, we should be reaching out to our friends. Like, if you're a Christian, you should be encouraging and warning other Christians. This is why our small group leaders will literally reach out to you during the week so they can warn and so that way they can encourage you. 
That's literally it. That's the whole point. Friends, I promise you, your small group leaders need the same warning and encouraging. This isn't saying once you reach a certain age, you're good. Text your small group leader first next time. I don't know. Like, like do something so then they can also be warned and encouraged just as much as we need that warning and encouraging. That sin is so, it's so stupid. Man, it's so stupid. And it's corrosive and it's destructive and it never gives life. And we need to be encouraged that God's so good every single day. So, like, let me ask you this. Like, are you a Christian friend? It's, it's cool if you're a good friend. Great. Ain't nobody going to finish their race if you're just a good friend. Like, are you a Christian friend? Like, are you a good Christian friend? Do you know your friend's dreams and goals and hurts and struggles? And do you treat other people better than yourself? And do you challenge other people? Awesome, cool. But on the Christian side, do you do that? And do you encourage and warn other people, other believers, to keep running the race? And do you even want to be? Do you want to be a Christian friend? As we finish, uh, let's, let's talk about this. Point number three is the ultimate friend. Because the cool thing is, is we have an awesome example. We have an awesome example of what the ultimate friend should be or what it should look like. In, in John chapter 15, uh, starting in verse 12, this is Jesus talking. He says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. This is the wildest thing. Jesus says that there is no greater love than for someone who is willing to lay down their life for their friends. And the very next day, the, the, literally, he said this, the next day he died on the cross. Like you, you have, we have to realize that he was talking about himself. He's been like, hey, let me show you the example of what the ultimate friend is. Like you want to know how does a friend talk? How does a friend love? How does a friend walk? How does a friend live? What do they look like? Look at Jesus. He is the ultimate friend. He, he knows our struggles and he knows our dreams and, and knows our goals. And he knows how sinful those things sometimes can be. And that's why he himself came to the earth. He treated us better than himself. And he came to the earth to die for us. And still, like, he has given us his word to challenge us. Like, the most loving way possible. That's how we get to know God. We get to know him back. And he has given us all these things where he's like, hey, if you want to be more like me, just read this. Guys, like, our our quiet times, like, getting into the word is not just a thing we should be checking the box. Like texting your small group leader or your small group leader uh, texting you is not just a checking the box type of deal, guys. Like we need it if we want to be more like Jesus. Like we need to get in his word. But that is like how he is challenging us himself in his, in his word to, to be more like him. He was the one that did all of this work. He, he was literally like he is the ultimate friend. And he laid his life down for us. Why? Why would he do that? Like, yes, like the Bible says it's out of love, but why did he have to die? And guys, like I say this every week, but this is the only thing that matters. This is the only thing that's going to matter tomorrow morning. It's the only thing that's going to matter on a Saturday night. Jesus had to die on the cross because we are so sinful. Yes, we are naturally born like sinful people where we have the sin nature inside of us, but 
we all know that we like choosing our own sin for sure. Everyone's got favorite sins and everything like that. We're so good at it, we sin on accident. And Jesus was like, that, that wasn't the plan. That's not how we intended this. We sin. And so then God's like, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to make the only way possible to pay for the sin is I'm going to have Jesus die on the cross. I'm going to pay for it for you since you can't do it. So Jesus dies on the cross in our place instead of us. And so all we have to do is surrender our life to him. If, if we surrender him, hands wide open, as the song says, whatever it is, we, we give him everything. He's like, here's forgiveness. Here is a forgiveness from all the sins you've ever thought of, the sins you've ever done, the sins you've ever said, the, sins you've, the places you've ever gone, like all those things. And so, like, yes, is Christianity hard? Absolutely. Surrender ain't easy. We need people to keep telling us, hey, keep going, keep running. Don't stop. Sin sucks. Keep confessing. Keep reading the word. We need people like that. But at the same point, though, at the end of the day, like, you're going to stand before Jesus. Every single person in this, every, every person is going to stand before Jesus, and he's not going to ask you, hey, how faithful are your friends? He's going to ask you, how faithful are you? So, if you have never, like, trusted Jesus to forgive you of your sins, tonight can literally be the night. Talk to your small group leader. But if you are a Christian, like, you have surrendered your life to Jesus, like, come on. Let's go encourage people. Let's be good Christian friends. Let's go and tell other people how amazing God is, and then let's tell our Christian friends, keep running the race. We can't do it by ourselves. Let me pray that we would. God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us in our place. Thank you uh, for rescuing us, for loving us enough that you would, you would treat us better than you would treat yourself. And so, God, I pray if there's anyone in here that, that doesn't know that personally, I pray tonight would be the night. I pray that tonight would be the night of surrender and, and tonight would be just the night of forgiveness that, that people would know that you did it all out of love. You love us even though that we're rebels and we're sinners. You love us anyway. But God, I pray for the people who have surrendered. Like they are Christians, like all of us, like the ones that we have trusted in you to forgive us. God, I pray that we would be good Christian friends. I pray that we would encourage one another daily. I pray that we would warn each other daily and I pray that we would just just fight to tell each other to keep going. God, we need you so bad. And thank you for blessing us with friends to be able to encourage us to keep going. Would you please help us to be those friends? In Jesus' name.